Hey, this is Todd Mitchell from Code Right Play. Salutations. This is Mike Carroll from Stroll Art. Hey, this is Patrick from the Backlog Odyssey. Hey, this is Rune from Runic Codes. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to Roger Reichardt on the Gamerheads Podcast. Welcome. <gasps> this is the very first thing, the very first podcast, guys, that we ever recorded together. I don't know. I've never done anything like this. Welcome this, to the Gamerheads. This year. <laughs> what's a podcast what is a podcast uh welcome to the gamerheads podcast what my name is roger along with me are my good friends and co-host we have mike hello and we have phil hi welcome to the show so yeah this is a little bit of a reboot 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 uh of the podcast um it's going to focus on games we're playing and then interviews with creators in the industry so this week actually i had an interview with um with christoph mina meyer and he is the creator of dungeon of dread rock it is a puzzle cinematic platformer as as he called it and uh and Mike, it made me laugh because he said, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it takes inspiration from Out of This World. Have you heard of this game? He asked me. And I went, mm-hmm. I yeah. heard of this game. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest <laughs> games of all time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. See, we're up ahead, right where we left off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things haven't Let me changed. hear you say it. Let me hear you say it. One of the greatest games. It's not that difficult. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just said, yeah, no, I, I know that game. I know that game. So now, I, <laughs> uh, well, well, that'll be the second half of the show. You get to hear the interview, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really great interview. He talks about he's also a professor at um, at a university in Munich uh, where he does game design. He he actually is a professor of game design. So it was really interesting huh. to talk about puzzle, like creating a puzzle game and uh, what goes into a puzzle game. So stay tuned for that. It was a great great interview. So. But before we get into the great interview, we have, you know, this mediocre section that we'll go through first. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about games that we're playing, guys, because it's been, well, we we're talk- setting the bar really low to start yeah. with if we're well, calling our stuff mediocre out of the gates. Well, I think actually, mediocre is an, under, is an overstatement. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like setting the bar high. I, I was thinking more along the lines of lackluster, but. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a segment. I just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all you wanted to say. Here's a segment, and that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. Like we're not okay. going to tell people it's mediocre. We're not going to tell people it's great. It's just it's a segment. It's a segment. Obviously, keep all this in. Yeah, it's a segment. It's a segment. Yep. Uh, no editing in this podcast. We don't do that here. So, uh, but anyway, let's let's go around and talk about games that we're currently playing because we talk about games and we play games together. But it's been a while since we talked about games that we play outside of games we're playing together as well. And uh, and I'll go first since, I don't know, since I've just thought of this section right now. So I'll go first. Um, Reverse alphabetical order. I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, (laughs) So I have been playing a game called Galacticon. Have you guys heard of this game at all? I mean, I think I sent you guys information on this game. I have not. Um, Nope. So it's a retro style arcade game. 
Uh, it comes out on a Switch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Sorry. on like May 22nd. Um, it is really addicting. Oh, my goodness. If this game was in the arcades when I was a kid, I would spend all my coins on all my quarters, all my parents' quarters on this game. I'll tell you that because it is it is so addicting. I it's like it's so, so the premise of the game is you are a uh, half robot, half human-esque, humanoid type creature uh, that is sent out to basically save the alien races that humans have enslaved um and hmm. so it looks like joust kind of like the, the the platform does or the first platform does and you go around and you have to collect uh save these little aliens and there's different colors there's uh red aliens blue aliens and white aliens and then you have to take them there's you have to collect four of each color and you have to take them and put them into like a safe zone and if you accidentally mix and match the wrong colors, uh, you won't get the points because like the red and the blue aliens don't get along. So if you have like three red and one blue in a safe zone, the three red will kill off the blue and then you won't get any points for saving that group. So you have to be oh. strategic about how you, and you get more points. If that is you, dark. Yeah, it is pretty dark, right? Hmm. Uh, so, so you get more points though, if you... Uh, are able to collect uh, all the same color uh, in the different safe zones. So like if you collect all the blue in one zone, you get like more bonus points. Um, if you collect like two, two whites and two blues, then you'll get uh, bonus points, but not as much. The white, are, the white uh, aliens are neutral area aliens. So like you can mix and match like red and white or blue and white. Uh, aliens but you can't mix the red and the and the blue it's so really hold on one second <laughs> yes <laughs> you're telling me that the white aliens can blend in with all the other different colors of aliens but the other different colors of aliens can't blend in with the other different colors of aliens but the white ones are okay to go anywhere <laughs> so yeah <laughs> all right just checking i just want to make sure that i understood that right uh yeah it's really, it's really a, it's, it's a really well-designed game. So that after you save, you take them to the safe zone, then you fly up uh, into this next zone. And the next zone, like the first one is, um, I think it's asteroids flying around and you have to like dodge the asteroids and then you get to your home ship and then you drop off the, or uh, the people that you, the aliens that you saved. Um, and then you get points for that. Um oh. It's so it's so good. I'm ranked number twentieth right now in the high score, Ooh, but that's because nice. <laughs> that's because only like reviewers and influencers are playing the game right now. <laughs> Hold on, are you an influencer now, Roger? What has happened since we last recorded? You're now an yeah. influencer. Oh, shit, Who are uh, you yeah. influencing? Uh, Roger with the S word as well out of the gates. I, I, what is yeah, going on here? Go I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm an influencer. I'm a person, you know, a person. Uh, I'm just under the influence. <laughs> I'm just under the, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I, I, this game is really, really addicting. It's, it's a great game to be able to be like, you know, I just want to pick up and play a couple rounds of this game. It's, and it's, like I said, super addicting. I love it. 
anyway, that's coming out on the 22nd of May uh, on the Switch. I think it I think it also comes out on Steam that day, too. So, yeah, check it out. That's what I've been playing. <laughs> also, Mike, uh, I might have to give that I might have to give that a look. Yeah, it's actually it's it is pretty. Uh, Mike, what have you been playing? Well, I have been playing and um, streaming. I got back into the streaming a little bit. Uh, Resident Evil Village. I, I watched. Took, I watched. You saw it. Yeah, you yeah. were able to watch the ending. So I know. You ruined it. I ruined it. Yep. Now I, I ruined your chances of playing the game. I know. Because I know how much you love. I, hey, I was going <laughs> to play it that night. And then I was like, oh, what's Mike doing? I'm, oh, he ruined the game for me. I can't play yep. it anymore. Yeah. Um, but I've been playing that and I've, man, I haven't played a Resident Evil game this much since Resident Evil 4. I must have beaten the game about six times by now. Oh my gosh. That's and so that's, impressive. And that's not even getting into the mercenaries mode. Wow. I haven't even, I haven't even gotten to oh, that. I forgot that's there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I played, I, I beat the game, beat the game on, um, Village of Shadows difficulty, which I am not one to play games on hard difficulty. I'm more of the person who's like, you know, I just want to sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. But I enjoyed this yeah. so much that I really tried uh, to get through the uh, the hardest setting, which was brutal at times. But I surprisingly was able to get through it. Hmm. Um, I beat the game on. Uh, I got the achievement for beating the game in under three hours. Wow! So and, wow! Uh, yes. So I'm almost completely. I almost got all of the achievements. The only ones I think I have left are like have a certain amount of money and oh i need to oh, i need to find yeah. all the hidden goats that's tough too um and then um the mercenaries achievements so it's There's, safe to say you like this game though right oh yeah i'm loving this game the one yeah. thing that's that i don't know how i'm going to do this but there is a um if you get all like the best ranks in the um mercenaries mode you unlock a lightsaber and you Whoa. can use a lightsaber in the game. I mean, what? it's not an what? it's not an officially licensed oh. lightsaber. Oh, but you know, it's a glowing sword that slices enemies in half. Wow, like an energy <laughs> sword or like a katana that glows. And no, almost, it's a laser sword. A laser sword. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, there's a lot to this. So I'm really enjoying that. I've been playing that. I've just been playing the hell out of that game. It's so That's impressive. It's so good. You know, and the fact that it's not too deep, I can't get, I can't handle games that are like 40, 50 hours. Yeah. Yeah. But you give me mm -hmm. a good fun game. That's only like about three to six hours, maybe, you know, 10, 12 tops. I'm, 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 I'm all about it. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because like, I wonder about like Elden rings, for instance, like there are people that are putting, pushing like 150 to 200 hours into that game. Like, yep. I don't, I mean, I enjoy Elden Rings, but is it Elden Ring? It's Elden Ring, not Rings, Elden right? Ring. Yeah. yeah. It's, one it's Onion Rings. It's, it's Onion Rings. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy Onion Rings, but when I they're overdone. I play the hell out of Onion Rings. Yeah. Yeah. When they're overdone, though. No. I, I, Same thing with Onion Rings. I put about 100 hours into Onion Rings. So I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just intimidating when I'm like, ugh, 100 hours. Like, it, partly I think it's because of, like, if I was like when I was in college, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, I cannot I cannot wait to put in 100 hours into this game. And now that I'm adult, I'm like, I don't have 100 hours that I can put into this game. And it's yeah. Yeah. It's different. Right. Right. Yeah. I just can't do it. 
Yeah. So yeah, so that's why I'm enjoying this one. So I'm really, really enjoying Resident Evil. I'm glad nothing, the, the story didn't get spoiled for me because I got it like almost a year ago. And of course, where did it go? Right in the backlog. So um, <laughs> so luckily nothing got spoiled for me. So I was able to watch the, enjoy the entire thing. One thing I really liked too was that they had all those, uh, the making of at the that end. That was cool. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. I loved like one of the characters, like they had the doll and like how did they, how they captured that the motion mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the actor to do the doll. I was like, oh my God, like this is not stuff I would have thought, like I just thought it was animation. I didn't realize, you know, that there was like, you know, motion. There was uh, mocap involved. Yeah, mocap yeah. involved. Yeah, that's cool. It is cool. And, and unfortunately, the making of video that you unlock is only about probably like seven minutes long. Yeah. I could watch an entire series based on the making. Yeah, of this game. right. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool, though. It was cool that you uh, you streamed that. And that was cool. That was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I played that. And then um, I don't know, just aside from the usual, just I'm. I'm uh, you know, still playing PGA 2K21 every Sunday. Get my, you know, get the uh, Sunday scaries out before work. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then just Fortnite with you guys. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> I've never played Fortnite in my life, Mike. What are you talking about? Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I meant, uh, 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 you must be thinking of that other show that you do and those guys that you've played Fortnite mm-hmm. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I say Fortnite? I meant uh, I meant Roblox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am all about the Roblox. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, Embrace in, it, Phil. It's not a terrible game. Yeah. What were you doing right before we recorded this podcast here, Phil? Why were you a little I late? Had a quick cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they call it? Is that what Fortnite is called now? A quick cigarette? I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks, Mike. Phil? Yeah? <laughs> what have you been playing? Um, well, I'm not going to bore everybody with the details because you guys are all complaining about games that I shouldn't say complaining, but talking about how you don't have the time to put how, hundreds of hours into a game anymore. So I'm totally not playing the show because I don't put <laughs> hundreds of hours into that game. That takes up way too much time. I'm definitely not playing that stupid children's game and or spending actual money on that stupid children's game because it's just really dumb and nobody wants to play that, especially once they got rid of building and it made it a playable game. That's for sure. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about a game that I recently wrapped up before mm. the show came out, and that is Dying Light to Become Human, Stay oh, Human, one of the two. Yeah. Which, again, I probably put about 150 hours into that game as well. Wow. And... Uh, I don't even know where to start with this, in all honesty. It's uh, you got you're trying to stave off infection. It's a first person parkour zombie killer open world chaos game. Yep, that's where I'm going with this. Uh, with small elements of horror slash jump scares, gets a little bit intense in time. There's a lot of crafting involved. There's a lot of leveling up your character involved. The game is absolutely broken and a <laughs> lot of fun. It's a fine broken. I'm sh- like I'm sure they patched it, but there were times that I'd be playing with friends online and like our screens would be completely different. They would be fighting zombies that were not on my screen and I couldn't help them because the zombies weren't on oh, my screen. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I I could open doors and go in and out of doors and they could not open said door. Even when mm-hmm. I had it open, the door was still closed on their screen. I couldn't mm-hmm. get out of certain rooms because I couldn't climb up the ladder that wasn't there on my screen, but they were just shimmying up and down at the entire time. Like it was mm-hmm. broken 
but it didn't really stave off of the enjoyability factor of it. It's a really, really fun time with a couple of friends involved too, because you can, okay. all the loot is shared. You can drop everything between everybody else. And mm. the first person fighting aspect of it makes it a lot more intense as well, because you're fighting zombies in first person with melee weapons for the most part. You do get mm. a bow at a certain point in the game, but yeah, it's a really good story. It's got uh, what the hell is her name? Dawson is the last name. First Creek. name. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Rosario. Uh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah, she's in it as well. Okay. There's a couple of other cool. bigger name actors that are in it, so it's it's got that big budget feel to it. It is a big budget game, and I think I just saw they down or they updated with some the first batch of DLC. So I might have to jump yeah. on board, back on board and see what that's all about. Well, Mike, you know that we have this game. We do. We do. So I have not really played. I played the first one. I have not played the second one yet. Uh, so I'd be interested in playing it, you know, as a group. I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, to get uh, into it, well, get now that I'm done I with can... this one, I need a new game to play. And I can give you guys like a bunch of level eight, level nine armor that you won't be able to get for 75, 80 hours worth of the game. So you'll be OP right out of the gates. Sweet. Nice. I'm on board with that. Yeah. That was my favorite thing about Resident Evil was the new game plus. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, I know Chris also plays that game too. Uh, one of our, mm-hmm. one of the uh, Gamerhead people. One of the members of Gamerhead Nation. <laughs> yeah, Gamerhead yeah, Nation. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Friend um, of the family. Friend of the family. Part of the family. So yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I think that'd be really fun. I, you know, I, I think it'd be fun to play with other people. I, those games i freak out when i'm playing by myself i'm not gonna lie like you guys know how i am with scary stuff like i just yeah, I can't. oh yeah uh, still you know, need to finish uh, outlast yeah no that's not gonna happen <laughs> um no you know even even <laughs> even we were watching moon Knight. some of those episodes like the one where the zombie egyptian creatures were coming oh you, phil you don't you haven't seen this sorry but i was That's like okay. covering my eyes and i was like oh god i can't watch that was yeah there was some good horror and actually i was talking about that on the other and I'm gonna, you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna throw out my podcast i also yeah, do a podcast yeah. called horror at home podcast where we talk about horror movies that are streaming yeah hold on you guys know. have other podcasts oh, yeah <laughs> i don't <laughs> <laughs> um we talked i talked about watching moon Knight and how there is a lack of horror movies and i'm not going to get into because this is a video game podcast but how there's a a real lack of horror movies that um that that revolve around like egyptian uh, Mm. mythology Mm. and i think that that could make that that could be those could be some really good movies yeah so no i agree it's interesting you say that because like the mummy right it's supposed to be i mean it's not horror really it had some scary elements to it yeah, but I mean, you're talking like, about the you're talking about the classic Brendan Fraser vehicle, yeah, yeah. Not, not the new one from <laughs> no. 2018 that we don't talk about. No, no, oh, I was going you, way back to like Boris Karloff in my brain. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. But uh, yeah, but I mean, like that concept is there, right? Like, and then yeah. and then think of the uh, Mummy Demastered. Like we played that game. That was a that was cool a good game. game. That was, that a, was game. a great game, actually. I really enjoyed. Yeah, it. That was a really that good was, game. That was a little scary too, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. they should be more. They should bring back that. That like seems super easy to do too right like huh interesting it's got such deep history that it'd be so easy to tap into and turn it into anything it doesn't just need to be mummies or anything like that either like Mm. the entire the entire uh theological aspect of the egyptian culture is so deep that you could go heavily into that and i don't think there'd be an issue at all 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Uh, cool. Anything else, Phil, that you've been playing? Uh, not that's worth talking about. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, we before we get into this next segment, we could talk about some of the stuff that we've been working on. So, Mike, you mentioned the uh, the Horror at Home podcast. Uh, very cool. Phil, what have you been doing? I read a lot of comic books and talk about them. <laughs> On a little podcast called From Pedal to Podcast yeah. uh, with myself and Andrew Reiner on the Game Informer website, also on any of your streaming services where we just break down every week's comic books, what we read, what we liked, what we didn't like, who we love, who we don't love. It's it's a good time. Yeah, I uh, my budget for comic books went quite a bit higher now because of that podcast, so... I don't know Just if I should say you're not the thank one recording you? it because <laughs> mine hits triple digits some week and it's Whoa. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, when I dropped like $40, I was like, ooh. <laughs> I walked out of the comic shop under 50 this week and I was pretty stoked about it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you 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 spend a lot of money on comic books too, right? I mean, you buy you read a lot of comic books, I should say. Right? I'd say I'd probably spend I wouldn't I'm not as sophisticated as Phil here, but uh, sophisticated is not the know, right word. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I, I I spend I I don't know probably about maybe I don't know twenty dollars every other week. I'm not too crazy. Like the ones that I read, like I got I read the Turtles comic, which is amazing. Mm. Uh, thanks to Phil, I uh, am reading the Nice House on the Lake, which to me is starting to hit a bit of a lull. But I think there's only two issues left, so hopefully I it starts so to ramp well, things yeah. up. Because there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. um and then uh i read um what else do i have i got the, the turtles oh i started reading the alien comic which is which is pretty oh, good wow so, you're enjoying that huh i am enjoying it yeah and then i read uh, the first my, five or six issues and i fell off of it pretty hard sorry to interrupt no you're good i'll let you know how um the next because the next story i think takes place on earth so oh okay so that'll be interesting uh and then my son reads uh venom and carnage so i'll hmm. um I'll snap You're letting him read the new Carnage. That yeah, is the current dark is really dark. Yeah. Well, so is he. So <laughs> he's older. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it's funny. I think what, how old is your son, Mike? Uh, he's 15. 15. Yeah. I was thinking about, I, I just had this conversation with somebody and uh, they were talking about anime and they're like, yeah, my first anime was Macross and uh, the Macross series uh Robotech. And then, uh, and then Ninja Scroll. And I was like, yeah, me too. And, uh, and you know, like if my parents knew what Ninja Scroll was, they probably wouldn't have let me watch it at the age of like 13, 14. <laughs> oh, it's cartoons. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, and I, well, I mean, I'll just, I've been working on a couple things too. And what might those be? <laughs> yeah. So I am now a staff writer at Pure Nintendo. Uh, so I've been writing a lot of reviews for Pure Nintendo, and uh, I'll have some new segments coming up. So I'm very excited about that. Nice. Yeah. And very then cool. also, uh, I just made this announcement on Twitter when I was announcing that we're bringing back Gamerheads as well. Um, I'm also working on my comic book that has been in the works for the last. 30 years well in my head i should say <laughs> yeah. uh so i'm very, very awesome yeah i'm pretty excited about that yeah, so like i got the exciting. artist yeah he's like yeah let's do this and he sent me a bunch of concept art i'm like oh my gosh this is amazing so 
Yeah. I have a publisher if you want one. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Yeah, you know, I uh <laughs> I mean it's a while back, but I was like peddling the idea to uh comic book stores and one comic book store was like yeah, I'll sell your shitty comic book. I was like, cool. Oh, thanks, geez. buddy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear what he said. This is the best, this is the best part. I didn't hear what he said. I just heard him say, I'll sell your comic book. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was walking out and Tanya's like, my wife said, did you hear he said he'll sell your shitty comic book? <laughs> and I said, I just heard him say, I'll sell you a comic book. She was like, no, no. He said, I'll sell your shitty comic book. And I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. And she was like, I was wondering why you were so excited about that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> me too now me too now um but yeah that's cool like i'm excited about that so i'll uh i'll have to share progress of that when it's when it's a point where i can share more but i don't want to share more right i mean please do i have come concept art right now and i have some story written but more to come anyway uh well let's let's move into the next segment then of this podcast this segment is games that are coming out uh, in the next week. So since this is the first podcast, I'm going to do the, the games that are coming out uh, May the 5th to May the 13th. So, um, and I hope I pronounce some of these games. And, and as I go through these games, uh, tell me, is this something that you're interested in or not interested in? Um, so yep. the first game is Trek to Yomi. Is that how I pronounce that? Okay. Yes. Is it okay? So it's coming I don't out. See on, why not? <laughs> it's coming out on PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, this is like a side-scrolling, uh, from what I've seen, a side-scrolling uh, samurai type game. It's on Game Pass as well, so it I'll check it Game out. Pass. Yeah, me too. Nope. Me too. Uh, Among Us Ejected Edition. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. That's coming out on May 6th. Probably not, but I've been talked into playing dumber games, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I hope I pronounced this right. Ayudin Chronicle Rising, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. That's coming out on May 10th. I think that's coming out on Game Pass as well. Uh Looks like an what RPG game. I think it's an RPG game. It looks pretty interesting. I knew there was a reason I fell asleep when you were reading that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dungeons of Dreadlock. That is coming out on... Dreadlocks? Dreadlocks on Nintendo Switch on May 12th. Uh, that's the game that I talk to the creator of in this next half of the podcast. Um, I've been playing it. I've been playing it on Steam, and I rather enjoy it. If you like puzzle games, it is a really good puzzle game. And Mike... You like cinematic platformers? I do love my cinematic platformers. So you might want to check that one out. Uh, this one I think we're all going to say yes to. Evil Dead The Game, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and P- Switch. This game's coming on a Switch. Did I write this? Yeah, it'll also right? be on the mobile phone as well. <laughs> I'm playing on my Tandy calculator. <laughs> Is it really coming out on the Switch? Did I write yeah. that down right? Is it really? Yeah. What? May 13th. I already got a pre-order. Um, yeah, Steve Austin said something to me and it, something along the lines of hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Friday the 13th. 
I didn't realize what? that. Yeah. Very excited for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play that game too. Get a Grip Chip and the Body Bugs, Nintendo Switch on May 12th. I played the first one and absolutely adored it. There's a very, very good chance I grabbed this one as well. Nice. Uh, and then Vesper Zero Light Edition, May 12th as well next week. And what's interesting, uh, we actually are going to have them on as a guest, the creators of that game, uh, on the show next week. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That game looks really interesting, too. It That also looks like a cinemagraphic, 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 cinemagraphic. <laughs> What am I trying to say? Cinnamon. You're thinking Roger, of cinnamon. Have you talked yet today? No. Cinematography. What's wrong? <laughs> Cinematic platformer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I have not played photography, it, but it looks like hmm. uh, it looks like photography. One on one. No, it looks really cool. Uh, the artwork is really fascinating. So I'm I'm excited to sit down with them and talk about that game. Um, yeah, and they're a studio out of Italy, so that'll be interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. So. That those are the games that are coming out from. I mean, there's more games than that, but those are the ones that I uh, thought seemed like the big hitters between May 5th and May 13th. So there you go. So yeah, so welcome to the reboot of the show. This is this is the the new. Are we wrapping up? We're wrapping up here. You know, I already? by the way, I did find yeah. a game on the eShop that you might be interested in. I was really hoping to get the hell out of this podcast without having to play any stupid eShop games. And we're going to go at this, you had to play this it. is where this it's is going to happen. Sounds, but I think you'll enjoy this. Wait. Oh, no. This is what it comes down to. You're going to say that there's this fun game that's on the eShop. You're going to read it, and it's going to sound hilarious. I'm going to spend money on it. I'm going to play it, and it's going to be either awesome or terrible, and I'm going to talk about it next week. Well, Fine. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. I'll tell you the name of the game, and I'll give you the awesome description, and then I'll give you a game that I want to know more about, and I'll let you decide which one to play. Are we are oh. we birthing a new segment right here? Is that, is that yeah, what's happening? Not? All right, let's do it. All right. Uh, so what I always like to do is I always like to check the um, weekly eShop releases and uh, find the descriptions. Usually the lower the price in the game, the better the description. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, yes. So this game uh, is called Soft Drift. It, it's it's coming out uh oh why are they having it there it's, it's coming out on oh wait, it's already out why is it okay anyway uh so this one just came out did Here i miss Here's this? the description wait did i it's... miss this on the on the games that are releasing? <laughs> yeah this game no, is about the fourth two two dollars and fifty cents all right all right here we go saw and this is the official description by the way this is the official description. Just making yeah. sure that you know this and I'm not making this up. Here we go. Soft Drift is a speed-based car drift game with simple and soft graphics. Ooh, soft Ooh. graphics. Those are my favorite kind compared to the hard graphics. Yes, please go on. You must pass the levels in the short time given to you by drifting with your vehicle. Huh? You yeah. must have a quick and good reflex. You must complete 21 levels in a short time. Oh, sure. You must collect all the gas cans in the chapters. Oh. You must hurry up. <laughs> the car is running out of gas too fast and collect all the gas cans to pass the levels. Oh, good old. There good are old. 21 levels designed differently from each <laughs> other in the game. I'm glad that they're different because there's a whole lot of finite stuff going on here that I must do. I must do. I must do. All right. I got it. 
yeah. But yeah, if yeah. we That's... don't, what happens? Does it explain what happens if you don't do those things? Uh, no, I unfortunately I think <laughs> it probably should. <laughs> I'm guessing you run out of gas and the graphics turn hard. Yeah, <laughs> we warned you. <laughs> we told you there were soft traffics. You didn't. Oh, yeah, we told you you yeah. must collect these things. You didn't. Now look, the graphics are all hard. <laughs> graphics are all hard now. Way to go. Uh, so yeah, so that is uh, soft drift. In case you were interested, with soft uh, graphics, you know, I'd probably the... take a look at soft drift. Wait, wait, because... wait, 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 Mike. Is it yes. soft graphics? Is it soft drift? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ASMR racing. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, if you want, I can give you one other description of a game I would like to hear more about, and it's only right, four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine is a good deal. You ready, Phil? I think you'll get a kick out of this one. This one is called An American Werewolf in L.A. Ooh, oh God! Yeah, you are D. Landis, a tormented young man who wants to run away from Hell's Creek to become a pro surfer. Mm. When you're about to leave the village in your convertible, Sheriff Nashy steps in your way to capture you. Because you're a werewolf and monsters never uh, leave Hell's Creek, you will need to run through some of the most iconic American cities in a frantic chase, wow. defeating the men recruited by the sheriff. Will wow. you survive the <laughs> hordes of enemies to reach L.A.? A beat-em-up Mike. nostalgia full of references. <laughs> An American werewolf in L.A. is the sequel in spirit of the 80s horror classic. Oh, my God. A tribute to you cinema sold me. <laughs> In the second sentence of that, you sold me that I need to play this game. I don't sure. remember what the second sentence was, but like my ears perked at the end of the first sentence. In the second one, like I'm already jamming on the A button to start buying shit, man. Yep, it's a, it's it's basically like Streets of Rage, but you're a werewolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, so. the, the sheriff really has the. I mean, like, where's this this guy's jurisdiction? Like, like end. He's gonna chase. L.A. You County's off. big, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Hell's, I mean, why wouldn't you want to leave Hell's, like, I, I would just want to leave Hell's River just to just get out of there. Like, I, I would move to Hell's River or Hell's Creek, whichever one it was. <laughs> well, was it Hell's Creek or Hell's, Hell's River? Hell's Creek. I don't know. Oh, Hell's Creek. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's a Hell's Michigan. You know, there's a Hell Michigan, right? Do you know that? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's related I, uh, or similar. I'm debating moving to Hell's Creek and getting a job in Hell's Kitchen. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. Are, and I don't mean the Gordon Ramsay joint. I'm talking about the, yeah, the borough of New York or the the small section of right. New York. Yep. Do you do you do you think like everybody that lives in Hills Creek is like vampires or werewolves or something? Or pro surfers? For 4.99, pro you surfers. can find out. Yeah, yeah that's what it yeah. was that sold me. It was the werewolf that wanted to be a pro surfer? Yeah. Like, How I can't say no to this. This is yeah, stupid. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. So like the good kind of stupid. So does he have to pick one, or does he have to play both before? No, he gets to pick whatever one he okay. wants. Like, yeah, he needs a reason doesn't... to dust off a switch. Yeah, I, Jesus, that's true. <laughs> I hope it still works. <laughs> I haven't turned that on since the last podcast ended. Uh, so I'm taking you're going to be playing this uh, this werewolf one, Phil. I will definitely be an American werewolf in L.A. leaving Hell's Creek to go <laughs> run from the sheriff cross country and beat the hell out of people. Oh, all right. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that game. That's for sure. Four ninety nine. That's that's pretty uh, affordable too. So yeah, 
I think that's the same price as that one game that I contemplated buying that I haven't pulled the trigger on yet. The horror cooking simulator. Oh, what the hell is oh, it called? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've seen it streamed. I know what you're talking about. You saw it's it like, streamed? If it's the same one that you're talking about. Yeah, it was just like you're like, it's a horror game that you're like a cook, right? Uh, Ravenous Devils is what it's called. Oh, yep. no, that's a different one. That's a different one. No, that one's on Xbox. Is that right? Um, it's probably on a couple of different things, but okay. it's on yeah. Xbox, yeah. Okay, uh, maybe I'll have to check that one out too. Uh, very cool. It's got well, horror in it, Roger. You're not touching it. No, that's true. <laughs> well, come on, come. On. I, I'm actually that's H O R R O R, not W H O R E. <laughs> you're not cooking horrors. You're... Although there are plenty of those games on the Switch too. That's true. Yes, that's there true. are. That's true. Did they do a sequel to Waifu Uncovered yet? Uh, they did actually. Okay. Well, yeah. Sure did you not, Did you see a uh, friend uh, Ryan uh, Silent Bates on? on uh on twitter he uh he took a, i tagged you both to this he was like what is this game and it was like oh, wife right. yeah and it was like the waifu uncovered two or something like that and i was just like i tagged you and jordan and and film like guys <laughs> see roger that means the first one sold yeah enough wow that it warranted a sequel i mean you know i've got yeah. a theory about the entire relaunch of this entire podcast <laughs> okay. i think that whoever's in charge of the eShop hit Roger up and was like, yo, these shitty games are not selling anymore. You should probably start the podcast up because I know you've got one more on in your show that will buy anything that's told to them. Just ask the comic shop guys. Oh, man. You, you got <laughs> and, it. Uh, How did you know? You get the revenue going. Because yeah. I know you've got inside contacts. And you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, my uncle, who happens to work at Nintendo, was like, hey, do you think... <laughs> Get that podcast up and running again because uh, we could. Really... Uh, good old Hideo Reichardt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so well, I'm looking forward to. I, I kind of tempted to get that werewolf game myself. It actually sounds uh, kind of interesting, uh, especially if it has like 80s references. That kind of sounds fun. Yeah, almost yeah. like um, like what is that? Um, River City Rampage or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. I like that game. Cool. Well, we'll we'll wait for it next week. We'll be talking about that game. Damn it, I have homework again now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Besides all the other stuff that you have going on. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's all right. Uh all right. Well, before we go into the second half of the show where I uh where we interview uh Christoph, um, why don't we go around and tell people how they can get a hold of you. So, Mike, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter at PezGuyMike. And uh, if you're interested in horror movies, check out the Horror at Home podcast. Yeah. Do you uh, do you want to share the Twitter for that? Uh, it's at Horror at Home Pod. Nice. Cool. Uh, and Phil, how can people follow you? You can find me on Twitter at BNow23. I post a lot about comic books, and now that we're doing another video game podcast, chances are I'll start talking a little bit more about video games. Yeah, I I enjoy seeing all the uh, uh, comic books that that you uh, share, and I was like, dude, it's stupid. You, you, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, you have to go get some books for me. I think Mike. By the way, thank you for getting me some books because I couldn't get a hold of certain books, but. 
Phil, I need your help to get certain books. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, if your best bet's going to be to hit me up on a Wednesday because you know my brain works. It works five minutes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Nintendraj. That's N-I-N-T-E-N-D-R-O-G. Uh, you can follow me there or also on um, on Twitch at The Rogue Leader. So there you go. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this week. And I look forward to next week. No problem. It was nice to hear you guys' voices again. Yeah, Yeah, it was fun. I like, I missed this. So, Uh, and listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to give us a listen. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show. Stay tuned uh, as a second half uh, will be my interview with Christoph. Welcome back to the show. My guest this week is Christoph Minemeyer. He is a game design professional, pro- pro- professional, professional, and professor <laughs> at MDH Munich, uh, and the creator of Dungeons of Dreadrock, uh, which is out now on Steam and then coming out on the Switch as well. Welcome to the show, Christoph. Hi, Roger. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, you taking the time. Uh, out of your schedule to to meet with me. So before we get into my questions about the game, why don't we talk about yourself? Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and what game or games first got you interested in video games and making games. Okay, about myself first, uh, I'm Christoph. <laughs> I'm a father of two and um, I really like to tell my kids stories and I also write children's books. Oh, and nice. uh, on, a, on a more professional side, I'm a computer scientist uh, with a PhD in complexity theory and concurrency theory. Oh, my gosh. And I'm also <laughs> a professor for game design. Um, and also, I'm not a native speaker, so please bear with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you, also, you also asked what, what got me first interest in video games. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think... Almost 30, 40 years ago, 35 to 40 years ago, my, my father bought a C64. You probably know these. Yeah. With, with, a, with a cassette tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and along with it, he bought a couple of games. The one I remember best was uh, Sorrow. Okay. Uh, so Sorrow, the, uh, not Sorrow, probably. I don't know how you pronounce him in, in English. Obviously not Sorrow. Yeah. But with the, you know, yeah. the, the, the guy with the, with the sword or and the mask and the mask. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the good description. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we also had gauntlet. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, and I don't remember the other two, but uh, that's probably not the fault of those two other games because besides sorrow and uh, gauntlet, it's, it's not, it's not easy to stand out. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I remember playing games on cassette myself. Uh <laughs> That was an interesting time. Um, yeah. So, so your your father bought those, and then did you and then, just consume them? And like, that was like I, your your like I'm bought into this. <laughs> yes. So, so first of all, the whole family played, but okay. uh, in I don't know, in some kind of weird, uncontrolled manner, 
the C64 then some kind kind of transferred to my room. My sisters <laughs> were no longer that interested in it. And I had it there. And my uncle then, uh, he, he, he presented me with the game with, uh, uh, it was Curse of the Azure Bonds. It was hmm. a, it was, that was when I was, I think, yeah, that was, well, that was when I was eight or, 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 or something like that. So uh, that was an as, uh, gold box game from, from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, hmm. uh, SSI, Wizards of the Coast thing. You, you remember these, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when I learned, started to learn English. Then, oh, really? To play the game. Yeah. Because uh, when, I, when I first got it, uh, I hadn't, so I was in that city and I clicked on a button. It said rest. Yeah. And uh, and then and then they always said you are you are rudely interrupted and I had no idea what that meant and there was a guard coming at me telling me not to sleep uh, in the street and and and, and uh, only when I was ten and I, I I had my first year in English then like then uh, then I got a dictionary and played the game with the dictionary. So wow. games make you smart, obviously, or wow. used to make you smart. Nowadays, <laughs> games are different. Well, I will say, I think that's how most people, including myself, learn English. By some person, guard coming up and saying, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you're rudely interrupted. You can't yeah. be sleeping here. What are you doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, and then your path led you to game design then, huh? Yeah. Yes and no. Oh. So uh, I did. I did uh, certainly build a lot of uh, stuff when I was between. So, so when I was a teenager, I used to build a lot of Doom levels mm. and uh, Duke Nukem levels. Yeah, and I really put huge amounts of hours into that. Uh, if you remember the Doom editor, that was. <laughs> yes. It, it was actually uh, a bit of. Uh, yeah, you had to like if you wanted to make stairs, you had to you had to increment the the, the floor height by eight or six <laughs> for every step, and and uh, so it was tedious work. But yes. I really 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 liked that a lot. And I also made kind of deathmatch maps for my friends and me to play, like with really where you could pull triggers, and then that would open a door where uh, some kind of monster would come out, and you could flood. Or you could you could put another trigger where the BFG in a room uh, was was uh, and 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 then you could uh, make the ceiling come down. It was already it was before Quake, but mm. I think that that a lot of the mechanics were in Quake later on. In the in, in um, I'm I'm talking about the Quake deathmatch uh, maps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny that yeah. you say about the the Doom editor because I also had a Doom editor and I had a book that was like. I don't know. It felt like it was over a thousand pages thick. Like this book was super thick. And I was like, you know, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I'm like, I won't be able to go through this and understand any of this. So it, it was a book about the Doom editor. Yeah. 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 That's probably the book I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might, you might fall for this. <laughs> no, I was, I think I'm older than you, Christoph. Yeah. And like, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was like, I'll give you kudos. Cause man, that was not, uh, that was not intuitive uh, to, to use that doom editor at all. And I mean, now I've just been dabbling in unity myself and I'm like, this is way more intuitive than, 
than the Doom editor back in the day when we were kids, for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, not so sure about that because uh, there were some things you'd, you'd need to know, but other than that, the Doom editor was a level editor and editing levels is usually much easier. Ah, I, I see. You mean you can easily edit a Unity scene yes, now, which yes. is also basically level editing. Yes. But when it comes to implementing me mechanics, then things quickly get more difficult than the Doom Editor, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm dabbling in Unity. Dabbling. Okay. Yeah, ah, okay. I, I didn't know what that meant. Like, uh, okay. A toe in it, a toe. I just have my okay. big toe into it. That's all okay. I have so far. Uh, so, so tell us about then um, the your new game then, the, the game that you've been working on and now it's coming out on Switch. Uh, was it May 12th? Is that right, the date? Yeah, next Thursday. Next week, Thursday? Um, yeah. Um, what can I tell you about Dungeons of Dreadrogue? Um, you played it, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you complete it? I am not quite done with it yet. Oh. Um, you, I will you, say that there are puzzles in there that are frustratingly <laughs> challenging. <laughs> Okay, it was well, actually designed, yeah. Well designed. I'm just like, well, I'm, ah, how do I beat this? This, uh, but I, I, I do love the game. Like, I love my favorite one. I'll just, I'll just say, like, is that the one with the fool? I just thought mm -hmm. it was so brilliantly done, and I was like, oh, this is so like interesting. So you, okay, so you're in level fifteen of hundred. I know yeah. that now. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm past. <laughs> I'm past that level, but that okay, was one yeah, of my yeah. favorite ones. But not. Uh, I was. I, what I was meaning was that you're not. You're not much further, I think. That was my guess. I think I'm like uh, at level like 22 or 23, I yeah, think, okay. right now. So, yeah. Okay, there's way more to see. And oh, okay. uh, I think especially the second half of the game is the one that is more exciting. Okay. Um, it's building up very slowly. Um, but, yeah. Wait, more exciting than being chased by a a a, a giant? Like those, uh, those Cyclops giant type creatures? That was pretty scary. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I mean, exciting in like uh, discovering the mechanics and okay. uh, and okay. and solving the puzzles. Okay. Um, not yeah, <laughs> but but um, <laughs> um, so so what's the game about? It's uh, I would say it's an it's a you, it's an immersive top-down puzzle adventure. I think that's the good description for it. Mm -hmm. mm. Also, I I never said this in public before, but I. I think personally, it's also to some extent a cinematic platformer. Mm. Um, you would you are you would you agree that a, that a top-down game can be a platformer? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, okay, because some people say you need to have platforms, so you need to have a side scroller. But uh, if you take say it's an action part in it, then you can call it a platformer too, right? Yeah, I would say so. I would because. I think a lot of people like what I've seen online is the first reaction to the game is, Oh, it looks like a Zelda game. Mm -hmm. And I think the look kind of looks like a Zelda game, but it does not play like a Zelda game. I think it's much more of like a puzzle platformer. That's what I would say. Yeah. And do you know about cinematic platformers also? Mm. Um, so the term, do you know another world or I think in, in, oh, yeah. in, in the U S yes. it's, it's out of this world. In, yes. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Or and and limbo and inside and those yes. games. That's that's what I would call or I think what are called cinematic platformers. Yeah. And the cinematic part is that you can't jump like three times as high as your character is, and 
you can't do a backflip and it's all rather slow and everything is uh, designed to look and feel like these are real persons yeah and uh, i think for that like uh, how do you, how do the, how does how do the characters accelerate and how believable are they in their role i think that is what i mean when i say that uh, dungeons of dreadrock even though it's top down is very related to games like another world and mm. uh, i even have like um so there is i'm going to spoil you right now there is a scene where you uh actually uh encounter the 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 elders uh, of the city okay and you have to sneak past them and uh if you don't do anything in preparation then they will simply kill you but mm. if you uh, uh, unleash uh, an, a minotaur then it will distract them and this is actually something i took out of uh, um out of this world mm. um because there i think it's a lion it's rather at the end of the game you can free lions and then they uh, they cause mayhem for those uh, for those uh, i don't know alien race people that uh that were imprisoning you okay yeah and you know then, i i do actually i i will say this uh out of this world or uh is is <laughs> uh it is i I respect the game. It's not one of my favorite games, but I do know the part that you're talking about. So I do. And it's interesting that you, you referenced that. Um, would you say okay. games like that influenced uh, the Dungeons of Dreadrack? Definitely. Yeah. hundred so, uh, percent. Um, Limbo and Inside had a major influence on Dungeons of Dreadrock. You would probably. So if, if you, if, if you have a hard time to understand why or how, because it looks so different. Um, of course, uh, there are also other sources of inspiration, but um, the way, for example, Limbo introduces you to your own uh, uh, mortality. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have that little kid, and then you slide down the first. Uh, even even when you in Limbo, when the game starts, like you have the controller in your hands, and you have that intro, and that, or it's, it's like the fade from black to and to to and first the, the screen is black and then it, everything becomes visible and then you have those eyes and see the see the little kid the boy and then you have the control in your hands but at least for me it took me some time to actually move mm. to, to because i understood okay now i can move this is the game and uh i, I a lot of people I've, I've watched some streams and this is something i wanted to kind of recreate at least uh on on switch i think people wait after the intro and then they oh i can move now yeah something like that but but uh, i was talking about the mortality thing so in 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 limbo the first thing you learn you slide down some some uh, i think can you call it a ridge or a hill yeah. you yeah. slide down and then and then you're impaled and you're dead and it's a cruel death and uh somehow the cruel the cruelty it makes it emotional but it also makes it kind of sarcastic mm. and uh and also from then on i think being dying in a game can often be an immersion killer. Mm. Like I've played for half an hour mm -hmm. and I've sneaked past guards mm -hmm. and I've killed some and now I'm killed myself and I have to restart. And then it's like, oh, I was so excited not to be killed, but now I'm killed and I'm going to just restart and that's it. So there's no penalty. And um, Limbo, ex Limbo takes the penalty out completely and makes dying so common and so frequent that... It's not a thing. It's not like I died. 
I haven't. I, I died after playing for half an hour, and now it feels different. Yeah. At least for me, I think that's that's also something I, I, I try to um, incorporate from Limdo. From yeah, there. yeah. Well, and I can see that because, like, I will say this one thing I really like about your game is that you make it through a, a puzzle, and you're like, you feel like, wow, I you know, you feel good about yourself. Like you feel like that's one thing I, th I think is really good about puzzle games. Like good puzzle games are the ones that you're like, I figured that out. Like I, and you feel like good about yourself, not like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're forced down a path or, or whatever. And the other thing is I, I died quite a bit in dungeons of Dreadrock. <laughs> yeah, but, you will. <laughs> but, but you, it's, you know, you start off that, that, puzzle over it's not like you have to start the whole game over and i'm like mm -hmm. oh god i should go through all that again i have to make it past you know that that minotaur again like that was really yeah. difficult like no i did that part i beat that part and the other thing i will just say about your game that i really appreciate is the fact that things that you learned in previous puzzles apply in future puzzles and mm -hmm. i think that's really brilliantly done yeah thank you thank you very much uh i think there was also a bit of luck in it um, <laughs> <laughs> like um you know, when when you design a game and you try to make an original game, like not copy, not not make the fiftieth version of a game that's already there, then um, then you need to be lucky to some extent. Because I used to, I made a ton of prototypes in my life, mm. and and when you design a set of mechanics, it's very hard to judge to what extent these mechanics will allow you to create a ton of content. Mm. like you you may you or you might you might design mechanics to allow you to create one certain puzzle or one certain experience and then later on you will find out maybe that there's not much other things that you can do with it mm. and uh in this case uh so even even i said you can't judge it uh, before you design the mechanics but even now even if you have the complete set of mechanics you have to become an expert in designing puzzles with these mechanics and only after almost two years i made some of the best puzzles in there so uh, i really became an expert in designing these puzzles but what i couldn't have known in the beginning is that these mechanics would allow me to create such a variety in puzzles hmm. and that's why i said it was also lucky yeah um, that's interesting uh well and, and i guess that's my that kind of leads into my second question too for you is you know when you're creating a game like dungeons of dread rock do you focus on the gameplay and puzzle mechanics first and then build the story on top of that or do you think here's a story how do my puzzles and mechanics fit into that story how do you approach a game like this um, how did you approach your game <laughs> yeah how did i approach it so first i didn't want this to become a game actually i just was uh, i was just trying to uh to check out the unity 2d tile map system hmm. and uh so basically for self-education uh i tried that one night after work and then i started a bit of prototyping and I actually, first thing I put in there was some enemies uh, from an asset pack. And then uh, I made a little AI for them to, to go towards the player. And then I made them, obviously, the movement, which was um, grid-based, but real-time, which mm -hmm. is a bit 
uh, that's probably because I always used to play a lot of um, a lot of dungeon crawlers, like yeah. Dungeon Master, um, Eye of the Beholder. I played all of these <laughs> as a kid, and yeah. uh, Lens of Lore and Menzo Baransan. Menzo Baransan. It's also this. I'm pretty sure there's a level in Menzo Baransan where you have to stand in a place and do nothing, and then it solves something. And I was awestruck as a kid to. <laughs> To, and I thought this was so immersive, so ingenious. So, and and this is also something I, I incorporated in Dungeons of Dreadrock. Another mm. spoiler for you, mm. um, but you won't know in which level. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, I played a lot of these, and that's why I chose to make a movement uh, grid based in real time first uh, in my little prototype. I also had a shotgun there, so it had not not much to do with the game as it came out now. Um, and then, then I realized uh, some moment uh, that I had when I played uh, Legend of Grimrock about 10 years ago. Did you play that too? No. Oh, you should. Okay. So it, you, I, I heard you uh, like, I, you, you, you sounded quite joyful when I mentioned those old school dungeon crawlers. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and you know about Legend of Grimrock at least then, I guess, uh... no? It's okay. It's 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 basically a remake. Okay. Or it's it's a it's a retro game because it's basically just uh, imitates all these games. It's a okay. first person uh, grid based real time dungeon crawler. Okay. Uh, and there's part one and two, uh, and it's such a great game. Really awesome movement. Uh, awesome awesome uh, awesome puzzles. Awesome. The story is rather thin. Um, even thinner than in Dungeons of Dreadrock, um, mm. but but uh, you have character management and uh, it's more an RPG. It's really really great. And I, when I played that, I had a moment. I was like, I was standing around the corner and there was a hallway and there was a pressure plate in the on the floor in front of me. Mm. I don't know whether I I don't remember whether I realized it the first time, but when you stepped on it, a fireball would would come from down the hallway where you intended to go towards you so you would initially step back and out of the way to to evade that fireball <laughs> and, and then i would search the walls for some kind of clue or hidden thing and there wasn't so um so then i stepped into the tunnel again and saw that a few steps ahead to the left there was a wall niche and he, so 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 the, the solution was to step on the plate but then proceed towards the fireball counterintuitively and then step left <laughs> and that's when i realized that grid based movement in real time is so much superior to to the continuous movement that all games had ever since like i don't know ultima underworld or something like that mm. Mm. and that is so that you have it's 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 very easy to time it's you just you press like the solution to something is a sequence of Forward, 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 left. You probably notice the similarity to what yes. is now Dungeons of Dreadrock. Yes. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna I just chuckled because that fireball scene that you're describing, I'm like, I know that scene in Dungeons of Dreadrock. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it, uh, yeah, that's what I obviously should admit. I I said I was lucky that I invented this original game and stuff. A lot of it is not original. 
the whole setup with levers and uh, and uh, pressure plates and stuff and opening doors and even the teleport where you throw the stone in that's basically yeah. stolen from from first person dungeon crawlers like mm. legend of grimrock the only thing um that i changed was the perspective to top down and that basically i didn't really have to fighting i wanted to make the game for mobile also mm. i was I, I when i when i prototyped it and when i tested it i was always testing on pc and i always had the switch as the best platform in mind so now when people i made the choice to release mobile first I'm not sure why I did. I think I wanted to build some attention and I think it worked out. But a lot of people now say, it's a mobile game, right? Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't originally. Uh, and um, But the fact that I wanted to make, I wanted to make a mobile game because I, I really like to play with an iPad. I, I would always have loved to do that on a sofa or, on, or, or something, but the games are just, they become really crappy and mm. I wanted to make something different. And I think the depth of it with the minimalistic input just allowed me to do it. And so yeah. I decided to to uh, to put it out on on mobile uh, first, um, and now I forget forgot what I was uh, trying to, uh, to what I was trying to say. Um, mobile. So yeah, the top the top down, and I, and then I, then I knew the controls wouldn't be tight enough in mobile to do a lot of fighting, mm. and that's why I went for this all uh, simplicity and more puzzles than. Uh, than combat if it was a pc game yes it would probably have more like you would probably be able to block enemy hits or something but i don't think that it would have made this a better game so what i was trying to say is i took those ingredients of a dungeon crawler and that's probably why they were so versatile they i didn't invent these ingredients and uh, so that's why it worked out for me to make a lot of puzzles and a lot of them i could also like not one-to-one steal from other games, but at least I had all the experience playing these. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting they said that because there's like, it's not, you're right. There's not comp. There's a couple of times though. I mean, not just a couple of times, but there's, there's times where you have to use some combat, like, um, like I think of like the zombies, for instance, like, right. You're, you, there's a couple of times or the, or the, the kobolds or goblins, right. You have to fight them sometimes. Um, but most times, like I, <laughs> like the first time I ran into a Minotaur, I was like, oh, I could fight this guy. And I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty clear distinction. Yes. Who you can fight and who you can. <laughs> yeah. And the zombies, I think one thing, the first zombie probably killed you when you entered the first dungeon level because you didn't have the sword then. Uh, no, I dodged them. I, yeah, I, in the, right, in I the, right in the beginning. Yeah. Hey, I'm a better gamer than what a lot of people give me credit <laughs> for. Yeah, I did actually. That I did. I did not die in that first one because I was like, I don't have a weapon. I can't fight these guys. I'm going to figure okay. out a way around that. So. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize it visually <laughs> that they don't have a weapon. They think this is a game so I can press buttons to kill things. All right. That's, that's what most games do. No, I think you made it pretty obvious that you don't have a weapon in the beginning. Okay, right. You're, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, it, so, so one thing that I will say too about the game that I really like is that the the art style. Can you tell us about how you landed on that art style, and were there any challenges incorporating that art into the overall design? Okay, this is the first time I tell this story. Um, I'm. It, which 
that's just a fact. I wouldn't, didn't want to imply that it was extra exciting. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so exclusive for gamers. I, right I started now. out. Uh, I started out with um, with an asset pack hmm. for monsters and uh, with a with the Unity time to the tile map and. Uh, at first, as I said, I didn't want to, to make this a full-scale game, which I would launch. It was just a prototype. And then it became a hobby. Mm. And then I had invested a lot of time and I realized, oh, this is this is really, I like to do this and uh, I'm going to make more of this and it, more and more if it became a game. And, uh, and then I realized, okay, if I want this to be a success and I put so many hours into this, it would probably be, be very dumb not to invest some of my money. But mm. I was very hesitant to do that because I would consider myself, well, maybe a scientist, maybe an artist, but not, um, but not, uh, I don't know, uh, somebody who invests money into stuff to make more money. And, um, but then I realized that uh, it would diminish my own work or at least I should give the game a chance because what people usually look at first is they look at how the game looks mm. and that's a hurdle you have to take and if it looks at least okay or even very good then people will get interested and a lot of games look good and but are play crappy yeah um but uh, you need to look good in order to make to to raise some interest mm. uh, otherwise people it's just like some kind of promise of quality right um i don't know if if it's really correlated that much but people expect it to be uh, and, and that's when i decided okay um i will probably have to to hire someone to do this and as long as i prototype for myself i felt pretty free to grab stuff from the internet um and to incorporate it into my game because if i don't publish it obviously it doesn't hurt anyone yeah um and there was one particular picture that i um that i took uh, as a as a cover picture and um that picture was a beautiful entrance to a dungeon mm. and i don't know something about the art style struck me i would i would now call the art style uh high resolution pixel art mm -hmm. and um and and I took that picture and and it was from uh, Eldest Souls. It's by Fallen Flag Studio. I never played the game actually, um, but it's a very nice looking pixel art game. It also uses that high definition, high resolution pixel uh, art style. And then that very picture I uh, I used for my own prototype was made by an Ukrainian artist. Oh really, uh, Dimitri Dudko, or yes, I do pixels at at Twitter. We, and he's he's really he's so good he has like uh, so I, really i i never expected to be able to work with with such an artist but mm. then on the other hand my game uses very 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 few assets right mm. it's a minimalist game not only in in like input scheme uh, schematics but also it basically just has that one tile map and that one exterior level so I was able to afford private for my private money uh, him to do to do this for me uh, and it started it was like first I made the, I let him make the tile map and then the next thing came and I wasn't preparing to spend 
like 7,000 euros at the beginning. That's yeah. about the budget of the whole game. I spent including voiceovers and all the characters, which in the next step I had to be done by a great German artist who is called Fabian um, Jastremski or Ed, or his, his name is Vierbit, like four bits in German. Okay. Um, at Twitter and they're incredible artists. And um, so that's that's how it all came to be. I discovered that one image and then that basically decided the art style in a, in a, yeah, in a way that I didn't at all plan at all. Wow. But I'm very happy, of course. With yeah, that. yeah, it, it looks beautiful. I, I absolutely love the artwork in this in this game. Um, so about puzzle design, then, um, how do you go about designing puzzles for a game? Are there any puzzles that are your favorite? And then I'm going to tie my next question into this. I know you teach game design. Are there any, any are there any rules that you broke that you <laughs> that you teach your students don't break this rule, but then you are like, but I'm gonna break it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and add a few more questions if you want. <laughs> just so, the rest okay. of them. I'm just gonna ask the rest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the um how do I make puzzles? Uh was the first question, then the second one was. What are puzzles I like? I yeah. think I'll start with puzzles I like because okay. I already mentioned to you that I'm such a huge fan of Limbo and um, Inside and Another World. Uh, and for me, uh, a good puzzle, good puzzle mechanics, they're not about like, um, they don't feel like, they don't feel mechanically, they feel naturally. They have to do with a person they, mm. uh, or for example, Thimbleweed Park, or or in general, um, um, point and click adventures. That's a great example of what I'm trying to say. You don't you don't think about do I have to shift this gear three degrees to the left and then the mm. next one and stuff like that. But you think about the characters and what what are their intentions? What do they want to do? And uh, and and even the environment in in uh, in a point and click adventure. It, it, it contains real stuff. So your real world representation, there's a bucket, you can fill water in it. All of that you learned in your life and you can use all that to then solve the puzzle. And I think for a for Thimbleweed Park, sometimes I, I, I didn't have the game in front of me, but I thought when I was stuck somewhere, what I could do and it worked that I could think of what I could try without mm. having a game in front of me. And that's mm. not possible for a mechanic puzzle. So this, this is what I love about uh, puzzles. Also the, the, the puzzles in Limbo and Inside, they're always designed to, to let you first do the wrong thing and then figure out uh, what are the ingredients to this. This is mostly pretty obvious. And then uh, you overcome the, the, the puzzle. And it's usually not that hard. The, this, the puzzles are not, that's what I was trying to say earlier when you said you were frustrated. <laughs> puzzles are not designed to be hard. They're, decide, they're designed to be intermediately uh, difficult, and but mostly they're designed to be rewarding, Yeah, uh, I think. And, and it, does have, it does have a lot of to, to do with pacing. Like, uh, for example, for some levels, when you solve the puzzle, it was important to me that you take at least seven steps towards the exit before you exit mm. like you do it and then you have to walk the rest of the way ideally through some blood which then creates some footsteps yeah. no i'm exaggerating now but that, that is some some nice twist but i is not in the puzzle design but i think uh, but the first thing i said was was really serious so like you shouldn't do the puzzle and then go through the exit in the next step yeah it takes away a lot of the reward and uh 
So um, how did I design the puzzles? Probably like I said, I was I, I like to write books for kids. Yeah. And, and a good idea is always to write the end, the ending very soon. Mm. Like mm. what's going to be the end of this? And then you can figure out how to reach the end in an mm. interesting way. And uh, I also had the ending scene of Dungeons of Dreadrock really early. Mm. Even when I, there were only two or three dreams, I knew what I was, where I was going to head. And that makes everything, if you, especially if you're working alone, you can then just say, okay, I can expand this to the extent I can manage it. And uh, I can add a few twists, yeah, right? And, yeah. Um, and that's also the same way I create the puzzles. You make some kind of obvious challenge and then maybe you add a twist, like maybe you, you, it's too, if it's too easy to, to throw a, teleport, a stone into the teleport um, to, go, to make it go on a, on, a, on a floor plate, then maybe hide the stone in the wall yeah. so the player has to figure out that he can find stuff in the world sometimes, something like that. Yeah. I, it, you know, and I will say, like, I think that's one thing that is uh, about this game. First of all, me saying that game, this, you know, some of the puzzles are challenging. Most puzzles are challenging to me. So that's not, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think the thing that once you figure it out, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you can see that you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like that makes yeah. logical sense. Right. But it was just like, how how like like the 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 uh i think the first time i ran into the the fool right like yeah like i loved the fact that when i got it i was like oh my gosh that was great but the first was like what how do i get this key from this this, this yes creature? yes right and there are two interesting aspects i think the first is that you have to advance to him from the right to make yeah. him go left yeah but then he vanishes yeah and i've i've watched a lot of streams uh, of people playing the game in order to it was after release but it still helps me to make a potential part two or to figure out what i designed what 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 kind of i had in mind for the players works out and what doesn't uh, but i had one person i don't know uh, he or she they would they would just restart the game when the fool left Oh really? They wouldn't. They wouldn't take the five steps towards the exit and try to go out there too, because they always okay. I failed. Uh, oh and, wow! Uh, and and that's so. I think it's uh, what is very important, and that's also you. You said when when you solve a puzzle, sometimes you're like ah, that that uh, feeling of surprise. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a very nice feeling, and I try to build expectations a lot and then break them. For yeah. the player. That's that's what the game does really quite a lot. Yeah. And uh I do love the fact that, you know, uh, because it's unexpected what you're supposed to do with that in, in that scenario with that fool, right? Like mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And oh, look at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but it's just it's really fascinating. And it's fascinating that you're like when you watch people stream it, they're like, I have to start this over because he disappeared. I'm like, mm -hmm. just take that step one step further, one step further, just one step, you know. <laughs> um, are there any rules that you broke that you uh, you normally teach to your students about game design? Um, so I don't think so. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, or none maybe, that you would admit to? <laughs> no, I would always admit that. Um, uh, as, a, as a scientist, uh, I think uh, spreading the truth is... 
uh, in our in our today's world one of the most important yeah. things yeah. not to make up stuff and not to imagine stuff <laughs> and not to lie and uh yeah so but um i think one thing maybe that i just started making the game without any vision on what it should be mm. uh like that's probably not what you would do if you would be an investor and that's not what you would do if you have a team i was a lot of a lot of the things i could do a lot of the freedom that helped me that allowed me to make the game different from a lot of games out there is the fact that i worked alone mm. and working alone uh i never had to wait on anybody uh, one important thing is that usually there's not actually fights between game design and coding department, but at least it's like game design requires a feature. Coding department can judge whether that feature could be maybe uh, or, or, the, or the goal of that feature could be reached in a much easier way. Yeah. And the designers, so all of that, uh, even... If I didn't, if I was too too uh, too 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 like uh, tired to do some coding at night, I I could like do some pixel art. I'm not a great pixel artist, but one or two assets in the game are still uh, from me, and a lot of it was done in prototyping because usually I made ugly variants, yeah, and then I had them replaced in one go, rather towards the end. So, but uh, so the, the rules I broke basically just go ahead and make a game. And no matter how long it would take, uh, because I had the freedom to do that. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Christoph, what's next for you? What uh, What do you have on the plate? What do you see? What do you want to work on next? So actually, um, I wrote a kid's book oh. two years ago. Okay. It was shortly before I started making Dungeons of Dreadrock. I, I, back then... I swore to myself I would never make a game in my leisure time again. <laughs> uh, so Dungeons of Dreadrock surprised me. Um, I, that's why I wrote a book because I, books are so much easier, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They they don't uh, they don't haunt you. They don't rob your sleep when something <laughs> is not working. Uh, so uh, that's that's why I made the, why I wrote that book, and I think it's a good kids book, and I was going to publish it. Uh, and I even had one publisher, but uh, they they annoyed me a bit. Hmm. And 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 then then I started making Dungeons of Dreadrock. And now I found a very great German illustrator from whom I by whom I often read kids' books to my kids. Oh, nice! And I and I approached him, and he said, "Wow, it's a really cool book." And he's an author. Oh. He, he, he writes kids' books himself, so uh, I'm honored by his judgment. So, and he's probably. Now I hope he's going to illustrate that and that will be the next project. But mm. after that, I think I can now see that Dungeons of Dreadrock already has some success. And I think I will probably be able to make a part two to excuse this to myself financially. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and maybe not only at night this time, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, thanks. Uh well, before we uh, before we wrap things up, how can people follow you on social media? Um, 
I think the only social media I actually use is Twitter. Okay. Um, and you can follow me as there as I'm Dr. Funfrog. Another great game. Do you know Dr. Funfrog? No, I don't. You don't. Uh, so, but you know Little Big Adventure probably. Uh, yeah. Winston, there was this like very low poly style. It's also an adventure um, and um, it's also top down. Okay. No grid based movement, but an awesome game of my childhood. And there's also part two, which is also great. And are they going to make part three now? Is, is that the case? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. Um, probably I'm confusing this with Monkey Island or something like that. Mm. Um, but um, it was a great game, and the the evil uh, mastermind there, the uh, antagonist, the how do you call it in? Yeah, antagonist. Yeah. Yeah, you can call it that. Yeah. Uh, but but there's also this is super villain, super villain. Sure. That's what I was going for. The the, the villain is uh, is Doctor Funfrock. He's actually <laughs> like he's a doctor. Uh, okay. And uh, I even once I. Um, on a party, on a costume party, I I went as Doctor Funfrog. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a, yeah, um, you should check out a Little Big Adventure. Okay. It's, yeah. Um, probably today you won't play it, but uh, watch a short video and understand the game. It's really great. Yeah, that's that's my tag on Twitter. Nice, cool. Well, Christoph, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, talking about Dungeons of Dreadrock. Uh, I I'm super excited to see what. Uh, comes next uh and you know if your book does get published in english which i hope it does as well i would be very interested in uh, checking out the children's book as well yeah um thank you now you made me think about translations <laughs> 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 that's why i was uh, hesitant um uh, but um yeah, obviously I won't translate it, uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for your interest and thanks for having me. Thanks for your invitation. Uh, it was very, it was very nice to talk to you about this. It was fun. Oh, thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to give us a listen. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We love to hear what you have to say about the show. Again, thank you so much. Until next week, stay safe and game on. See ya. See ya.